there and the word that they had. If you've been here over the last few years, you've got to know them a little bit, and they've got to know us. And, and really, truly, if you, if you have spent a few moments with them or you have heard the words and the things that they have spoken, I believe that they are, they are young people who are in the world today to change the world. God's blessing them, God takes care of them, God provides for them, and God, God watches over them, of course. But, but their heart and their desire really truly is to pour themselves into this earth. That we believe that they're our friends. I believe that they're my friends and Elizabeth's friends and Pastor Pam and Bill. And as I said in the men's breakfast, we had a, the great plev, the plev, uh, privilege and the pleasure of, of being and around and serving with the Doherty family in, in Tulsa. But the fact that uh, Caleb and Sarah are doing the things that they do tonight, we have, or today, we have some, some wonderful ministers of the gospel, but we have some fantastic people. They're the, uh, the founders and the leaders of Inspire International. They travel all over the world. Uh, yesterday he was sharing with us. He's been in seven, eight, nine countries just in the last couple months. And uh, when God says go, they go. Uh, when God says move, they move. When God says speak, they speak. And uh, really, truly, I believe that's our heart in this church, that when God says go, we go. When God says speak, we speak. When God says move, we move. So we're very privileged today to have them with us. They're, they're the founders, as I said, of Inspire International. They're also the missions directors and the pastors there at Victor Christian Center in that area of the ministry. Uh, they've got a lot of things going on, and they seem like they, they may uh, be overwhelmed. But let me tell you, when you're doing what God called you to do and you're assigned by Him, there'll always be enough. To, to finish the work that he's called you to finish. Amen. So you be inspired today as we have the founders of Inspired International with us. Give them a hand. Caleb and Sarah Worley. Amen. Well, hello, hello. Good morning. Good morning. You guys look good? You excited? Yes. You happy? Yes. Blessed? Yes. You ready? All right, well, I think you're in the right place. I won't do 20 questions with you, but you can be seated. It is such a joy to be back here at Victor Christian Center in Lafayette, and uh, we do feel like it's home whenever we come back here. It's the uh, only place that I've ever really been in Indiana, so uh, this is my Indiana home. So uh, I'm getting to know more of it yesterday. Uh, I got to play golf with uh, John and uh, Pastor Dan here, and uh, we, we had a great time, even though they were generous to beat me, but uh, <laughs> Pastor Bill reminded me of that this morning, so I didn't come here to win at golf, I guess, but uh, <clears throat> I do have a word for you this morning, and uh, you know, it's just a joy to be with you guys, and I just want to honor your pastors, uh, Pastor John, Elizabeth, and Pastors Bill and Pam. Can we give them a hand for their sacrifice, their obedience? We love you guys. We appreciate you. Come on, let's give them a good hand. so good to be with you guys. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to put up with you every single week. Somehow God called them to do it, so uh, they must be anointed. Amen. No, you guys are wonderful, and uh, for us it's just a joy. And so uh, we have a few things we want to share with you, but uh, I'm going to ask Sarah to share. Yeah, well, we're just privileged to be here. We do feel like family, and we're grateful for your pastors for Pastor Bill and Pam, John and Elizabeth, for their friendship, for their support. And we know that you are sending us into the nations, so you're a part of what we're doing. Yeah. And you will reap the harvest for what you're sowing into the world. And as he said, we've been in several different countries in the last few months. And um, let's see, this summer we were in, where were we, babe? Ecuador, South Pacific, Honduras. Ecuador, Honduras. Hong, Hong Kong, Kong Cambodia, Cambodia, and Peru, Peru. in this summer. And um, 
we just appreciate all your prayers and support. I mean, God is doing amazing things in the earth. And it's exciting to see the good things. You know, we see in the news all the bad reports. But God is moving in the earth. And we're a part of something bigger than just our churches here. We're a part of the body of Christ globally. And it's exciting to see how God is moving in the nations. And this fall, we'll be doing some outreaches in Nepal, in uh, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Haiti, and Cambodia. And we ask for your prayers. God has opened some doors to do women's conferences in many of these countries to partner with orphanages and support them in each of these countries. And so we ask for your prayers as we go because um, we want to see a great harvest. And we are believing that signs, wonders, and miracles are going to follow the preaching of the word as we go. And so we appreciate you. Um, One word that God has spoken to my heart is from Luke 5. And many of you know the story when Jesus spoke to Peter and he said, Peter, launch out into the deep. Here Peter had fished all night. Peter was a fisherman. This was the first time Jesus met him. He borrowed his boat to preach the gospel. And then he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter said, Master, I have fished all night and I have caught nothing. I've done everything I know to do in the natural, but I've caught nothing. But at your word, God, I will. And the Bible says that when they did launch out into the deep, they caught so much fish. They had to call their friends, their partners, and say, we need your boats, we need your nets, because there is such a great load of fish that we can't carry it all. And I believe that God is speaking to men and women on the earth and saying it's time to launch out into the deep, Mm -hmm. to do something maybe you've never done before, to give more than you've ever given, maybe to reach out in new ways than you've ever reached out. I mean, we've seen just the harvest of what God is doing in Africa. And I love the heart of this church. You have such a heart for missions and reaching the nations and blessing the children in Africa. And I believe that as a church, it's time to launch out into the deep, to continue to go, to continue to stretch, to continue to give, to continue to reach, because there's a harvest of souls greater than we, than we have ever seen in the past. Mm. Amen? Yeah. And this is the season. And so I just want to encourage you because um, maybe there's things that God is speaking to you in your own life. And you're thinking, God, I've done all I know to do. But at your word, when God speaks to you, trust and obey him yeah. because he has something greater in store. He has big things in store and he will always provide. Amen. That's what he did for Peter that day. He provided more than enough. So much so that they couldn't even contain it. And so we can trust and obey God because he's faithful. Amen. 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 Well, I know I want Caleb to preach. I want Sarah to pray for you over this word. How many of you feel like that there's some things that you can launch out in in your life? You can launch out in reaching out. You can launch out in giving. You can launch out in touching some people around Lafayette. I know I drove down the road today. I was thinking, you know what? This is a city that needs to hear about Jesus. And you know what? He's positioned you to do it. Amen. Amen. So there's some people he's wanting you to launch out into children and youth and and, uh, adults. And so I just believe that today. Why don't you just lift your hands as Sarah prays for you. Amen. 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We put our trust and hope in you, our confidence in you. And God, I pray for each person in the things that you've spoken to them to do. God, we thank you that you're faithful to perform yes. your word. You're faithful to fulfill what you've promised. So I pray in each person's life, in their families, in their homes, in their business, we thank you for a supernatural harvest. As they trust you, as they obey you, as they put you first, God, I thank you for meeting every need that they have. And God, they would have more than enough. Amen? Amen. 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 More than enough. You receive that? Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, she's the best preacher I know. You can be seated. I married the pastor's daughter, and she was actually pastor before I was, so I always have to defer to her and on spiritual matters, of theological issues. How many of you husbands know your wife is usually always right? I said usually. I didn't say always. Well, uh, I just have a few thoughts I want to share with you this morning. I believe will strengthen, encourage, and actually help equip you to do things that God has called you to do. And as always, I'm only going to preach three or four messages in the short time that I have today. So because of that, we have a few ministry resources back on the table in the back. You can check those out on your way out. Uh, some CD series, a book that Sarah wrote. And then we also, for the ladies, we have some uh, special items to help support the Hope for Children campaigns that we do in Asia. So there's different jewelry items, bracelets, and, and a couple necklaces back there. So uh, stop by at the end and check those things out. All the proceeds will go uh, into missions and what we're doing in the different nations. But um, my prayer today is that you would leave this place changed and different. And it's not going to come through a place. It's not going to come through a song. It's not going to come from a man or a woman. But it's going to come by God and through the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that? Father, I thank you for this time that we have together this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit who leads and guides us into all truth. So, Father, I thank you for speaking through my lips. I thank you for showing me what to say. And, Father, for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're telling us and what you're showing us in this hour. Lord, help us to not leave this place the same. Help us to be changed through you. So, Father, today our prayer is simple. We ask that we would be challenged, that we'd be encouraged, and that we would leave this place equipped to do what you've called us to do in this life. We honor you in this place, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you have pets? Anyone have pets? Anyone have a dog? How many of you like dogs? I'm not really a dog fan, but I know a lot of people like dogs. Uh, how many of you know, uh, what is a dog's favorite thing to eat? What do dogs like to eat? What do dogs like to eat? What, what do most dogs like to eat? Bones. Is that what they like to eat? Bones, yeah. I would suggest dogs don't like to eat bones. They, they eat bones because that's what you give them. I would suggest <laughs> that dogs like to eat steak. Isn't that right? How many of you know dogs eat bones because you give it to them? They like steak. Now, what is that? They're settling for less than what is really the best for their lives. And, you know, sometimes in life, I think that we can get so accustomed to one thing that we think that, you know, people like one thing and in reality they don't. Or, or we get accustomed to settling for a, a less than life when God has called us to live a more than life. And so today, I just hope that the word that we preach will help us to get a revelation more of what the scripture has for our lives that will help raise us up to another level. And I believe for every single person here that you wouldn't settle for something that is below God's best for your life. Amen? Amen. You believe that? The scripture says this way in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And this is the passage of scripture that will 
kind of lay the context for us today. It says in Deuteronomy 1, in verse 6, The Lord God spoke to us at the mountain Horb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn now and take a journey and go to the mountain of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, in the lowlands, in the south and by the sea, to the land of your enemy, the Canaanites, and as far as Lebanon and even the great river Euphrates. See, I have set this land before you. Now go in and possess that which I swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that I was giving them their descendants, and now I am giving you. So he's telling them, look guys, I pulled you out of, G- out of Egypt, you're now in the wilderness, and I'm calling you to go in and possess the promises, to go in and step into the things that I have created you to step in. In reality, what he was telling the children of Israel in this time frame was, It's a new season. He was trying to get them to realize that Egypt was gone, the wilderness was supposed to be a passing time, and that they were created to step in to a new season. Well, I have good news for somebody today, and I don't know who it's for, but I have good news for you that it's a new season for your life. Fourteen of you believe that. I said it's a new season for your life. It's a new season for your family. It's a new season for your business. It's a new season for this church. It's a new season. We are living in the time that the Bible calls the last days. And whether you're, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you debate that or not, but let me tell you this. Ever since Jesus ascended after he was raised from the dead, the last days started. 2,000 years ago when he ascended, It started because he said that I am going and I will return. And so we don't know what day that is that he's going to return. But that was the beginning of the last days. How many know that the apostles, when they went around after Jesus ascended, they thought that he could come any moment. And it's now been 2000 years. So we are in part of the last days. And the Bible says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Come on, on all flesh, the sons, the daughters, the old and the young. That means that we're all called to come together and to walk in a fullness of what God created us to walk in. So I want to tell you today in this wonderful church that it is a new season, that we are are not called to live in the wilderness. We are not called to remorse or to think about Egypt. We are called to step into the promises of God for our lives. Are you believing that today? See, I'm going to preach it to you until you get it. It's a new season. And so many times we get caught up in our last season, stuck in our current season, we can't see the future season God has for us. But I want to tell you that God's new season may not look like your past season. It may not uh, uh, be the same as your current season, but how many of you know it's going to be better? Because God takes us from glory to glory. He takes us from strength to strength. So everything in our past actually helps us to move forward towards our future. We honor our past, but we look forward to the future. Jesus said, if you look to me, I will be the author. That means the originator, the creator, and the finisher of your faith. It's a new season, folks. Just turn to somebody on your right or your left and tell them it's a new season. Do you believe that? 
You see, some of you are thinking, well, what kind of season is it for me, Pastor? Well, it's a new season of increase, a new season of miracles, a new season of favor, a new season of breakthrough, a new season of healing, a new season of joy. We're stepping into a new season, and sometimes you can't accurately explain what that new season is that you're supposed to step into, but you have a sense of it that's revealed to you by His Spirit. Ephesians 3.20 says that now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works on the inside of us, I believe that we're stepping into a new season that is exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, not according to us, not according to our ability, not according to what we can do in the natural, but according to what Jesus has done, and according to his Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us and leads us and shows us things to come. So I believe you can and you will step in to the new season, but what you have to do is allow faith to rise up on the inside of your heart. You have to allow faith to rise up on the inside of your heart and override anything else. Do you believe that? See, here's the reality. There are promises in here that God wants to put in here so that you'll eventually see them out here. You see, that's the process. A promise from here gets on the inside of here, and then you begin to speak it, you begin to believe it, you begin to act on it, and eventually one day you're looking all around and you're walking right in the middle of it. That's what, Je- that's what Jesus spoke to his disciples when he, he told them to be ready. He told them to go into all the world. He told them, look, guys, I am going, but it's not the end. It's just the beginning of a new season for you to walk in what you were called and created for. And that's what God was even telling the children of Israel here in the Old Testament. He was telling them, you have been at this place. It's not been a bad place. It's been a great place. It was a place of provision for you during this time. It was a place where you learned what you needed to learn, but now he said, look, it's time for you to stop dwelling on your past, stop living just in your present, and start focusing on the future that I've called for you. He said, it's time. It's a new season. And that's what we have to have, this sense of expectation and this sense of understanding that God has a new season for us. Do you believe that? Think about it this way. Were the children of Israel defeated because They went through the wilderness and they tried to go into the promised land. Were they defeated when they tried to go into the promised land? No. They weren't defeated by their enemies, were they? Okay, I'm going to have to go back and read it for you. No, they weren't defeated by their enemies. They were defeated by themselves. It wasn't the opposition. It wasn't the enemy. It was their own mindset that kept them from walking in to the new season. In fact, it cost them an entire generation and over 40 years of laboring in the wilderness, all because they didn't have the right mindset to understand that if God had spoken it, then God would bring it to pass. But they had to agree with it and put it into action in their lives. You see, I, am, I firmly believe that there are many people living at a level that's less than God's best, and it's not because of the opposition of the enemy as much as it's because of the obstacles in their minds. If the enemy can deceive you to get wrong thinking in your mind, and if you can just believe things in your mind and, and not step into those things where doubt and belief are, are running your life, then you'll never step into the fullness of what God has for you. 
We have to be those who take what the word says, plant it in our heart, and then walk it out in our lives. It's a new season. It's a new season. You know, sometimes we can look around at all the things that are happening in the natural and we can begin to wonder, well, what's going to happen with the government? What's going to happen with our society? What's going to happen with this or that? I'll tell you what's going to happen for the people of God and the ones that are stepping into what he's called them to do. It's going to be all right. Amen. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. God takes care of his children, but we have to be people of faith to take what he says and to put it into action. So here's my assignment today. My assignment today is to simply remind you of who you are and what you are called to do and encourage you to step into the new season that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. How many of you know last year the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl? I know you're in Indiana, but you knew that, right? (laughs) I know you're Indianapolis Colts fans, but the Green Bay Packers won the Super Bowl, right? Well, how many of you know, going into the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers were one of the last teams into the playoffs. They had uh, uh, one of the worst records of the teams that made it into the playoffs, right? And so there were a few teams that made it in in the other division that that, that had, you know, bad records, but they barely made it in the playoffs. In fact, going into the last game of the season, it was still a question mark of whether they were going to even make the playoffs or not. And it was interesting to hear the story of how that the coach... After they made it into the playoffs, he called a team meeting and he had all the records of all the teams up on a whiteboard behind him. And it showed, you know, this team had this, these many win, this many wins and this team had this many wins. And he listed them all out there. And the team's kind of figuring out, well, what's going on? And then he just drew a line through all of those records. And he said, gentlemen, today is the start of a brand new season. He said, these records mean nothing now that we're in the playoffs. And the rest is history, how they went through and they won the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not a Green Bay fan, so I'm not promoting them. But what I am promoting is the fact that that coach had enough insight to recognize it doesn't matter what got you into the place of where you are now. You can start a brand new season. And I have good news for you. Maybe I am like a coach standing up here for you representing the kingdom of God today and telling you your record doesn't matter. The past is over. You're here today and it's the start of a brand new season. You believe that today? See, that's what God was trying to tell the children of Israel and that's what he's trying to tell us today. So here's a question. Sometimes we hear these things and say, okay, pastor, that's great, but how do I do that? What what do I need to do in my life? And Jesus, you know, in Matthew chapter 9, he was talking to two blind men. And the two blind men, they were obviously blind, and they came to Jesus one day, and he asked them a question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And then they spoke to him, and, and then he says, do you believe that I'm able to do it? Do you believe that I'm able to do it? They said, Lord, I believe. And then immediately their their sight was healed. You see, sometimes we just have to answer the simple question, Lord, I believe. When we look at our situations and Jesus may ask us to say, 
Do you believe that I'm able to fix your marriage? Do you believe that I'm able to provide for your family? Do you believe that I am able to heal your body? Do you believe that I'm able to fulfill the dreams and the desires on the inside of your heart? Sometimes we don't know how it's going to happen. But the first thing that we must have on the inside of our heart is a determination to say, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe you. I believe your word. You see, I'm convinced that what we need more than anything today in our world is a believing revival, a revival where we can take the word and we can believe it. And we can believe that God still provides, that God still protects, that God still directs, that God still works miracles in our lives. You see, Jesus, when he died on that cross, he didn't just die and he wasn't just raised from the dead so you can have a ticket into heaven so that you could have salvation. He was raised from the dead so that you could not only live with him one day in heaven, but you could live a full and complete life here on the earth. He died and he was raised so that you could have healing in your body. He was raised and he, he, he is now in heaven interceding for you so that you can have victory in your marriage, so that you can have fullness of life in your family. You see, it's more than just coming in and leaving. It's more than just a set of religion and a set of codes and creeds. It's about a life with Christ that Jesus said we can live to the fullest it's a new season 16 of you said amen we need a believing revolution more than ever before and I'm believing that it's a new season it's a new season and once you get this understanding that it's a new season in your heart and in your life you say, okay, pastor, that's great. It's a new season. I believe Jesus can do it. But what then? What, well, what can I do then? Well, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. We see here God speaking to his people again. This is now 40 years later as they're getting ready to finally cross over into the promised land, crossing over the Jordan River. And he's speaking now to Joshua, who's the newly elected leader of the children of Israel. And several times in Joshua chapter 1, we see God speaking to him and he's saying, be strong and of a good courage. He's telling him here throughout the first few chapters of this, the first three verses of this chapter, he's saying, go in and possess the land, the land which I swore to your fathers, the land which I swore to Moses. Now I am swearing to you, I am giving you the same land that I told him to go and possess that we read in Deuteronomy. He's now telling Joshua, the leader, he's saying, now it's time for you to go in. It's time for you to go in and possess the promises. And then after he tells him it's time for you to go into the new season, he says this phrase, be strong and of a good courage. And he tells him that time after time. So in other words, Joshua didn't feel like he had it. Joshua didn't feel like he was the man. Joshua didn't feel like he was the conqueror. Joshua didn't feel like maybe God was with him all the time. Joshua didn't maybe feel it all the time. But God encouraged him in this point. And this was the tipping point for the children of Israel. Because finally, this person got it on the inside that God is with me. He's on my side. In other words, what God was trying to tell Joshua was, Joshua, you have what it takes. Just turn to somebody next to you on your right or left and tell them, you have what it takes. You see, he was telling Joshua in this passage as he was encouraging him with this phrase, be strong and of a good courage. He was saying, Joshua, you have what it takes to step into the new season. Now, there are other people that didn't walk in, but you're going to walk in. 
And I believe for every single one of you here in this place, not regardless of your age, regardless of your education or your background, that you have what it takes, that you have what it takes to make it, that you have what it takes to step into the new seasons that God has for you in your life. You have what it takes. So what do we need to understand if we're going to walk into our new season? We need to understand that we have what it takes. You might be here, you're a single parent. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're here, you're grandparents. Whatever season of life you're in, I want to encourage you that you have what it takes to make it. Do you believe that? You have what it takes to make it in your business. You have what it takes to make it in your family. You have what it takes to make it in your ministry. You have what it takes to make it in your finances. You have what it takes to make it in all areas of your life. You have what it takes to see the dreams and the visions that God put on the inside of your heart come to pass. Why? Because he placed those things there. Don't you think the person who places something on the inside of you wants to see that thing come to pass? He doesn't put things on the inside of us to frustrate us. He doesn't put things on the inside of us to to confuse us. He puts things on the inside of us so that we can then take up the strength and the power that he is giving us to help walk those things out and see those things become a reality. And I want to tell you here this morning in this great church that if you have Jesus, you have enough. I think we just went to about 20. I said, if you have Jesus, I mean, the place should have run. If you have Jesus, you have enough. And if you think it takes more than that, then you're really trying to do it in your own strength. Because if you could do it on your own, he never would have had to come. If willpower, mental ascent was enough for us to follow our God and be connected with him, Jesus would have stayed in heaven. But it was because we couldn't do it, because we couldn't make it on our own, because we didn't have enough. God said, I need to send my own one and only son to die on that cross, to be buried in that tomb and to be resurrected from that grave so that you can take up your life here on earth and have an eternal life with him in heaven in other words he said i'm sending jesus so you can have what it takes if you have jesus you have enough you know in my own life this really changed the course of my life and i've shared this story with you before about how that when i was in ghana as i was 17 years old i had a revelation and an understanding of really what god could do in my life and how god could use me and and what God wanted to do through me. And it was from that point until now that my life has been changed forever because I realized as I was there in this service and I was ministering to people for the first time, I realized that God could use me. I realized that if I had Jesus, then that is enough for me to make it in this life. And I remember as I was seated at the front of the stage after that first church service and I said, God, how is this happening? And then he spoke to me in my heart and he said, Caleb, what you have, people need. I said, God, what do I have? And he said, you have my son. And that is exactly what the world needs. It was in that moment that I realized my past didn't matter. My intellect didn't matter. My age didn't matter. What mattered was that I would depend on the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ. And that he would give me ability that I didn't have. That he would give me words that I couldn't speak. That he would take me places that I couldn't go. But it's through him. So if you have Jesus, then you have enough. You see, I want to tell someone here this morning that's been battling in your thoughts. That you've been battling in your life. And you've been 
telling yourself, maybe not vo- verbally, maybe not vocally, but you've been telling yourself in your thoughts, I just don't think I'm like that person. I just don't think I can be like, I just don't think I can make it in that area. I just don't think I can have that successful marriage. I just don't think that that area of my business is going to make, I just don't think that that, that thing in my family is going to work out. I want to tell you today to get rid of those thoughts and to understand that you are connected to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that you have Jesus, the resurrected one living on the inside of you if you've made your confession of your faith in him then you can stand on his word and you can live in his promises and believe that you have what it takes come on you have what it takes you have what it takes it doesn't matter if you're a student it doesn't matter if you're single you have what it takes to make it and to do everything that God has called and created you to do you believe that So here's a few things I believe that you have what it takes to do. You have what it takes to walk out of your difficulty and into your destiny. You have what it takes to overcome. You have what it takes to prevail. You have what it takes to stand and you have what it takes to go through. You have what it takes to press on and you have what it takes to declare with your mouth. You have what it takes to win and you have what it takes to accomplish all that God wants you to do in you and through you in the earth. You see, there is more in you than you realize. So today I'm not speaking to you in your natural. I'm not speaking to you in your mind. I am speaking to your heavenly potential. And I am telling you by the Spirit of God that there is more living on the inside of you in the person of Jesus Christ than you know about. And somehow today by the Spirit of God, I'm trying to pull that out of you so that you can see God and see yourself the way that you were meant to see it. To see your God as the one who works miracles. To see your God as the one who can do the impossible and to see yourself connected to that God through the person of Jesus Christ. And when you see God correctly and you see Jesus in the right way and you know that he lives on the inside of you, your life begins to change. So somehow I want the spirit of faith to rise up today on the inside of you so that you can have an understanding that you have what it takes. How many basketball fans do we have here? Any basketball fans? I didn't say Indiana Pacer fans. I said any basketball fans. <laughs> now I remember when I was playing basketball and we were, you know, uh, we were playing this game and it was getting towards the end of the game. And my coach, you know, he was trying to encourage us all throughout the game. It was towards the end of the game and we're down a few points. And I remember they passed me the ball and, and we were down. Uh, I think we were down uh, four points and there was about 15 seconds left and I'm traveling down uh, the sideline, you know, going in thinking, okay, well, you know, how, what's a four point play? How are we going to do this thing? Right. And so I remember going in and I thought I just have to score a quick basket and then maybe we'll foul or, or we'll steal it and we'll, we'll score another basket. So I remember going in and I'm going ready to shoot a shot and I get fouled. And so now I'm getting ready to go to the free throw line and I'm getting ready to stand up there at the free throw line. They call a timeout. And so we go over to our benches. The coach huddles us together. And I'm thinking, great, we have about five seconds left. We're down four points. I'm shooting two free throws. Now, I, I, I don't, I'm not that great at math, but I understand that two free throws minus four, we're still going to be down two points. And they're going to have the ball. So it's not looking good for the home team. And so I can remember, you know, as my coach was talking to us, he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I said, all right, what is it? He said, Caleb, you're going to make the first shot. I said, okay, that's no revelation. I understand that. And he said, and now on the second shot, here's what you're going to do. You're going to throw it off the front of the rim 
so that it bounces back to you. Now, how many of you know when you in basketball, that's almost impossible. He said, okay, you're going to act like you're going to shoot it, throw it off the front of the rim, let it bounce back to you, take the ball, go back to the three-point line, turn around, shoot a three-pointer as time expires, and we'll go into overtime, we'll win the game. Yeah, that's how I felt. So here I was listening to him, and, and I'm like, oh, gosh, our coach is crazy. Buzzer sounds, referee's calling us back over there. I'm ready to go to the free throw line. And as I'm walking back over to the free throw line, my coach just yells at me, Caleb, hey, hey. I turn around. He says, don't worry, you can do it. He really believed it. I mean, he, he said all that stuff. I thought he was kidding, and then he believed it. I'm looking back like, man, this guy is really crazy. It's easy for him to say over there, coaching me, but I'm the one that has to do it. So I remember standing up there at that free throw line. Okay, I can do this. Making the first shot. All right, that's no problem. Now I'm thinking, I have never practiced this. I've never seen anybody on ESPN doing this. I mean, maybe it was on YouTube, but YouTube wasn't out back then. And so I remember stepping up there, that second shot, and thinking, okay, he said I can do this. So I remember getting ready to shoot that shot. And I'm looking around. Instead of shooting the shot, I throw it. And to my amazement, it hits that little half an inch orange thing that's up there called the rim it hits off the front of that thing bounces onto the ground without the other guys grabbing the ball i grab the ball now the clock is ticking i dribble back to the three-point line turn around as all of the team is surrounding me i turn around look at the basket shoot the shot and would you know the shot went in as the buzzer sounded and everybody said amen we went on into overtime and we won the game now, I share that story with you not to tell you how great of a basketball player I am. I'm much beyond those years. But I, I remember the feeling as I was walking to the free throw line. I looked back and he said, don't worry, Caleb, you can do it. And, you know, sometimes that's all it takes is somebody encouraging us and telling us you have what it takes. So I may be up here coaching you again, standing on the sideline. You have to live your life. I can't live your life, but I can tell you what God says and how he views you. And he is up in heaven as Jesus did his part. Now he's saying you can do your part. And he's up in heaven telling you, you have what it takes. You can make it in life. You can succeed. You can prevail. You have what it takes. Some of you just need to get this visual picture of your father in heaven and Jesus is right there on the bench with him and he's doing this. Hey guys! And you're standing there at the free throw line of life looking at your situation saying, no one's ever done this before. No, one, no one's ever tried this before. But God said I'm supposed to do it. Nobody else has to understand it. Nobody else has to have ever done it before. If God says you're supposed to do it, you just look back at your father in heaven and say, did you really say I can do it? You can do it. Come on. Okay, you said I can do it. You're standing up there. Okay, I may look stupid. It's okay. You're not going to look stupid when you win. Nobody was saying, why in the world did you try that when we ended up winning the game? They just said that looked like the smartest thing in the world. Coach's idea. And you know what? Sometimes that's how we have to live in life. You step out in faith. You say, "Uh, uh, uh, okay. Everybody doesn't have to understand you. But if God says it, then you have the majority. 
Don't feel like you're a minority. Don't feel like you're out there by yourself. You're never out there by yourself. When you're stepping out with what God asks you to do, you have all of heaven backing you up. Just like Pastor Pam was talking during the offering. She said, help their eyes to be opened. She was reading that story so that they can see there are more with us than there are with them. So many times we're like those people looking up and saying, whoa, look at all the opposition. No, 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 no. Quit focusing on the opposition. Look at those who are with you. And you have what it takes to make it through the obstacles and to go beyond and to excel and exceed and to see all the things that God has created you for come to pass. You believe that? Very familiar verse I want to just encourage you with today. Philippians 4 and verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to challenge you this morning, regardless of what you're facing, that you have what it takes to accomplish what God has created you for. See, here's the reality. We're called to be people of faith, not people of feelings. So many people are saying, well, what if I don't feel like it? I didn't feel like walking to that free throw line and doing something that appeared stupid and I thought was never going to work. I didn't feel like it. But we're called to be people of faith, not people of feelings. Our feelings are not supposed to rule our lives. Our faith is. Our faith rules our lives. We have to be people of faith because feelings can mislead us, but faith will always guide us. So this morning, I'm standing up here encouraging you to declare what God has said and not what you feel. Sometimes that's the biggest thing that we can do is to speak things out of our mouth even when we don't feel them. And that's what faith does. So declare to yourself daily that I have what it takes. Declare that I have the mind of Christ. Declare that you're blessed coming in and going out. Declare you have favor with God and man. Declare that no weapon formed against you will prosper or your family. Declare that you are led by the Spirit of God. Declare that you hear His voice daily. Declare that you are redeemed from the curse. Sin and sickness has no place in your life or your body. Declare that God's Word has the precedence over your situation. And as you begin to speak His Word, your situations begin to change. That's what faith does. Faith speaks in the face of fear, in the face of feelings. Faith speaks. The Bible says out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as you put more things in your heart, then your mouth will be able to speak. So I have a question for you this morning. How's your language? How's your language? Are you speaking what you feel or are you speaking faith that lives on the inside of your heart through God's word? And through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, we have to be those who allow our speech to reveal what we believe instead of what we fear. We have to be those who speak forth the promises of God, who speak forth the commands of God. You know, if you read on in the book of Joshua, and and as the children of Israel were getting ready to cross over, the biggest obstacle for the children of Israel was the Jordan River. The Jordan River was a symbol that was impossible to them because the Jordan River was the boundary point from the wilderness into Canaan. Now, Canaan in their minds was not just the land flowing with milk and honey. Canaan in their minds was where the enemy lived. It was where the giants were. It was where the walled and impenetrable cities were. So it wasn't just the promises. They were focused on all of the opposition in that place. And so this Jordan River represented, as if they were supposed to cross it, it represented a tremendous challenge that they would have to go through. And that's why for so many years they never crossed over that river. 
But then in this part of the, the, the story, we see as the Lord was speaking to Joshua and he was telling him, you have what it takes to make it. If you look down further about in verse 12 of chapter 1 of Joshua, it says, now the Lord spoke to Joshua and says, now gather your men, get up and cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land. Now, when God spoke to Joshua to cross over the Jordan, he knew what was happening in Joshua's mind at that point, because what he was saying was, you have what it takes to go beyond when nobody else has ever gone beyond. You have what it takes to cross over this Jordan that seemed like he's stepping into sudden death. But you have what it takes, he said, to cross over this Jordan. So Joshua then gathers up all of the children of Israel and all his leaders and his men and his people together. And he says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we need to do before we cross over. But then he had to speak to them. Here's the strategy. Here's what we're going to do. And so he got his his people together. He sent the, the, the worshipers together there with the Ark of the Covenant as the Levites, and they gathered around that Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence and the glory of God. And he said, okay, we're going to send them through first. And the Bible says, and I'm not going to read all of the passages, but if you read through Joshua 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, you see the whole story there of how they crossed over and then how they went in to defeat Jericho. But it says that as the Ark of the Covenant was carried by those priests. As their feet stepped into the water, the water began to recede. Now, when I read that a couple of weeks ago, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, sometimes you just got to get your feet wet. And then I felt like God said, so many people are sleeping next to their promises without understanding the reality of them. Because the Bible says they camped on, the si- on this side of the Jordan. So here they are. This is one side wilderness. Here's Jordan. And then the other side was their promise. They were camped on this side. They were camping when they were supposed to be crossing. And you know what? There are too many people in life camped next to their promises and they don't realize they are that close to their miracle. They are that close to their breakthrough. They are that close to experiencing something they've never experienced before. But you know what it takes? It takes faith on the inside to rise up and to wake you up so that you realize I am this close to my breakthrough. I am this close to my promise. I am this close to restoration. I am this close to God coming through. I'm not going to settle for sleeping on one side of the promise when God has called me to cross over and experience the fullness of that promise. You see, that's what God was trying to do with the children of Israel in this moment because he knew there was more for their lives. And I believe that's what he's trying to tell us today in this place. He's saying there's more for your life, but you have to be willing to get up from things, maybe do things you haven't done before and step into that river and get your feet a little bit wet. Step out a little bit and trust God. It's very significant that they sent The priests threw first because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It represented His very person all in that box because the box, the Ark of the Covenant carried the presence. Everywhere the presence went, they had authority. They had dominion. 
And you know what? We have that ability. When we begin to worship God, we begin to lift our praise. We can, ma- we can help manifest his presence on the earth. The Bible says that he inhabits, he lives in the praises of his people. So in other words, why was it significant that they sent them first? They sent the worshipers first to prepare the place. So as they stepped in and got their feet wet, the Bible says that the priests, the worshipers, carrying the presence of God, stood right in the middle. They stood right in the middle of an opposition that nobody had ever stood in before. They stood right in the middle of a place that they thought was impossible for anyone to stand. And it was during the harvest season, so the scripture historically says that the banks of that river were overflowing. So can you imagine stepping into an overflowing Mississippi River, believing that somehow it's going to back up because you're there? Well, that's what they did. And it says that they then took his presence and they stood right in the middle. Two things I want to leave you with before we have a time of prayer is this. Number one, you have to get the word of God. The people of Israel got the word of God from Joshua as he was in tune, and you need a word from God. And that's why the scripture is so important because it gives us an understanding of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. But after you get a word from God and you're sleeping on the side of the promise and you're you're lodging next to the victory, once you get that word, it motivates you to do something maybe you've never done before. And then after you get the word, what do you do? You just need to be willing to step right into the middle. You step right into the middle of your problem. You step right into the middle of your opposition. You step right into the middle of your difficulty and you do it by faith. And you begin to praise God. You begin to thank God. You begin to worship God. You begin to exalt Him. Because what happens is when you lift up your praise in the middle, you are telling the enemy he's not going to win in your life. You are telling the enemy you are not going to take me out. You are not going to pull my family down. You are not going to deplete my finances anymore because you're not operating on your ability. You're operating on God's word. You're taking what God has said by faith and you're getting up from where you were and you're starting to cross over. And sometimes in the middle of crossing over, you don't have a full understanding. You may not know everything, but when you're in the middle, that's when God begins to work a miracle in your life. Come on, do you believe that this morning? You have to just step up and go right into the middle of your opposition. Now, in the natural, that doesn't make sense because everything else is telling you, whoa, just wait, just hold on until you see it. But I'm here to tell you that faith acts and faith speaks. Faith doesn't always understand everything in the natural, but faith corresponds with what God says and what the Holy Spirit directs you with. So we have to have this understanding. It's a new season, and we have what it takes. Just turn to somebody next to you and tell them, it's a new season, and you look like someone who has what it takes. Let's stand as we have a time of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today? I want to read this saying that we started out with as you're standing in prayer. It says, you've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn, take a journey, and go. I've set these things before you for you to go in 
and possess. Turn, take a journey, and go. You've dwelled long enough at that place. Now it's time for you to go in and possess what's been rightfully yours. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this place this morning, there's many of you here in this place and you realize that. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.